0: Today I wanted to finish up our series about talking about commitment. And uh, not necessarily our commitment. A lot of times in church when we talk about commitment, we're talking about our commitment, right? We need to be a committed people. Come on, we need to be people that love the Lord. We need to be committed to church. Come on, are you with me? Uh, Paul said to not forsake the assembling of yourself together. We, we need to be committed to that. We need to be committed to the Lord in our, in our daily time. And not just a, a specific time of the day, but every moment of the day. Come on, there needs to be a commitment on our part. But that's not really what we're focusing in on today. We're focusing in on the commitment of Jesus. If someone came to me and they said, Josh, what is love? If someone said, man, what is love? How would you describe love? I think the greatest word, if you could say one other word that, that, would, that would describe what love is, I would say that love is a commitment. Yeah. Love is a commitment. Love is a commitment to do, to do good to somebody regardless of who they are, regardless of where they're at. We talk about unconditional love, that we be committed to people regardless of their treatment to us. It's, it's, it's the great uh, demonstration of love. It's, it's, it's uh, the extent of love is measured by the extent of the commitment, right? Whenever you get married, if you, if you love the person you're married to, then you're not going to commit adultery, right? <laughs> If you love the person uh, that, that you're committed to, you're not going to make them feel bad about themselves. You're not going to slander them all the time, right? Because love is demonstrated through the commitment to do good, right? So when we talk about our love for God, we measure that by our commitment, to God. Are you with me? But we also, when we talk about God's love for us, we're talking about his commitment, his radical commitment to us. That even when we turn our back on him, even when we reject him, he is still committed to us, that he is still after us, that he is still wanting us, that he is still longing for us. No matter what we do, he is still after us. So the extent of love is measured by the extent of commitment. In fact, we, we have such a problem uh, with commitment in our society that we, that we have to do things like we say, well, uh, do you promise? Right? Because we're not sure about people's commitment. We, we, we ask them to affirm that, right? With a promise or with an oath. Do you promise? Or, or if we go into a, a contract with someone, why, what, why do we have a contract? Why do we have to have contracts? Because we know that people are really bad at commitment. So we figure if we can get them to sign on a dotted line somewhere, then, then we can force them into some kind of commitment. How many of you know that you can keep a commitment on paper, but there's a difference between commitment on paper and then commitment of the human heart? And so this is what Jesus came, and he exposed the the religious people. He said, man, you're super devoted to me on paper, but your hearts are disconnected. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so we see this in, in Scripture. In Scripture, they didn't really have contracts per se, right? They had what's called covenants. And we're going to talk a little bit about covenant today. And And a covenant is, is what God has for us. And we know in Scripture, the Scripture is broken down to the Old Testament and the New Testament, we call it the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, right? God had a covenant with his people that if they did all these things, if they kept all these obligations, if they did all these things, then God would fulfill his end of the bargain and be committed. It was a covenant. It was an agreement that God had between Man. And then when Jesus came, Jesus came to establish a new covenant, right? A brand new covenant. And in this series, we've been looking at Revelation. And I, and I want to I revisit Revelation chapter 4. We, we visited this a few weeks ago. And it says this when John has this revelation, this great revelation of Jesus. And again, the book of Revelation is not the revelation of the end times. Right? It's the revelation of Jesus. This is what it says. So when we read the book of Revelation, we're looking for Jesus. We're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking, what does Jesus look like? So when, when, when John has this revelation, he says, I was in the spirit. Revelation chapter four, verse two. He said, and there was a throne set in heaven and the one on the throne. And it says that he was like Jasper. And we talked about that several uh, weeks ago, that, that Jasper is a multifaceted stone, right? That, it's, that it, when light hits it at different angles, it like t- looks totally different than it did before. Remember, we talked about that. And uh, let, let me just say this while we're talking about Jasper. If you're bored spiritually, it's simply because you're not looking. If you find yourself kind of with a wondering heart towards the Lord and you're having a hard time being committed, it's just because you're not gazing at him. You're not looking at him deeply enough because he is like Jasper and he is absolutely fascinating. He's the most fascinating uh being that you'll ever look upon it, you we go to a movie we pay all this money to be entertained listen you want to be entertained get in the presence of jesus and allow the light of revelation to hit him and to strike your life you will be blown away if you think prayer is boring you're doing it wrong prayer isn't boring if, it, if the prayer is boring it's because jesus isn't in your prayer time so get in your prayer time and seek him come on ask him to fill you with his presence So he says this. Then he says that he was like Sardius stone. Sardius was a red stone. We talked about passion. Uh, And then he says there was a rainbow on the throne. What is a a rainbow? A rainbow is a symbol of covenant. And then he says, and then I saw him and he was like emerald. And emerald is is green. And that is a a color of, of, of mercy. It's a color of his graciousness. So when we see Jesus, we see all these things. We see he's a passionate lover. We see that he's a fascinating lover. We see that he is is a gracious and tender lover, but we also see that he is Jesus of covenants, that he is a man that a rainbow surrounds the throne. What is the rainbow? It's saying, man, I am committed to you. I am committed to my people. He is Jesus. The man of the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 6. If you guys have your Bible or you want to tune into our our website right there, we have the notes for you. You scan the seat back in front of you, or you can just uh, go to the notes section on our webpage. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Jesus, our high priest, who has been giving a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant. Everybody say it's a better covenant. A better covenant with God based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord. And I will make, and this is quoting Jeremiah, I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, they they did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back on them. Oh, dang. Right? Says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God and they will be. My people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. Jesus was doing away with the priesthood. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. And when God speaks of a new covenant, it means that He has made the first one obsolete. obsolete it is now out of date and will soon disappear so Paul is laying down for us this grid about covenant he said if if God the only way to get out of a covenant with someone is for a party of that covenant to die are you with me and so we know that when Jesus died and he said it was finished what was he saying he was saying the old covenant is finished Behold, I make all things new here. I am. I'm establishing a new covenant a brand new system of being in relationship with God Are you with me? So it's not it's not based anymore upon this book that you read In fact, it's written upon your hearts. Now listen, there's still a code There's still a standard, but it's not about what's written on paper It's about what's written on our hearts It's the Holy Spirit. So in any covenant, in any agreement that you make, most of the time uh, people are call this uh, you know, a contract nowadays, but in any covenant, as they would do in the Old Old Testament, there would be terms of the covenant. How many of you guys have ever signed a contract before? Maybe you signed a contract for a house, right? And the reason why you signed that is because they want to make sure that you're good for your money, right? If you don't pay us, then we're going to take you to the lawyers. We're going to take care of that. But in that contract, in that covenant, there are terms. There are There are agreement points. There are points. If you do this, then this happens. Are you with me? So under the new covenant, there are also terms. And we're going to talk about the terms of the new covenant. Are you guys ready? All right, so the first covenant, the first term of the new covenant is that it is personal. It is personal. The new covenant is personal. See, the old covenant wasn't personal. It was personal with one guy, Moses. He went up and he got the covenant. He wrote down all the things. And he brought it down and gave it to the people, right? It was a book. It was a tablet. It was written down and saying, here we go. Here is the covenant. Right? But now it's personal with everybody that's in the covenant. It's personal. It's not about a system. Come on. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about a person. It's personal. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10. We just read it. I will be their God and they will be my people. Under the new covenant, we have a personal connection with God. We are his, but he is ours. Are you with me? He is your God. Come on. He's not just God who's far off and distant and hiding. He's your God. He's a personal God through Jesus. Song of Solomon uh, chapter two, verse sixteen, and then again in six three, he says, "I am my beloved's and he is mine." This is what the the woman says to our lover, and this is the relationship that we must enter into with Jesus. That we are just responding that he that he is saying over us as our lover. He's saying, "You are mine," and we're saying, "Yes, yes," and I am yours. I am yours, Jesus. It's such a pleasure to be yours because you are mine, and we have. Have this connection we have this relationship we have this bond together yes. and we look throughout scripture and we see that it was personal with some people we see it was personal with adam when adam sinned and adam blew it god said i'm gonna make it personal i'm still gonna show up in the garden and i'm still gonna provide for him and then god we know that god uh, after he sinned that god Slaughter the animal, right? And God made clothing for Adam to cover up his shame. We see it when, when Noah, I guess the Noah movie just came out or it's about to come out. But I, I think it's supposed to be a little bit different than scripture. I don't know. I'm still going to go see it. It'll probably be awesome. It uh, probably won't be real scriptural, but I'm sure it'll be really cool because Russell Crowe's in it. So, <laughs> You have Noah, and then Noah's the only one that, like, could hear from God. He's the only one that really had this connection with God. And then God, we know that God saw wickedness was on the earth, and it says that it hurt God's heart, that God's feelings were hurt. I mean, it takes a lot to, to offend God to that level. And he said that the earth was full of wickedness and the heart of God was broken. So God said, I'm going to just do away with everything. I'm going to come and I'm going to flood the earth and clean everything out. But I'm going to find uh, somebody for me righteous. There he is, Noah. And so we know, that we know the story of Noah, and he put the animals to preserve uh, the animals on the earth. And we know that he put the, his family on the boat basically to repopulate the earth. And then God destroyed the world because it was full of wickedness. And then we know that at, when, when Noah got out of that ark, that God provided a rainbow in the sky saying, I am the God of covenant. I will not again destroy the earth like this. We see with Abraham. When Abraham uh, was there and God said, you'll be a father of many nations. Right? He said, "You'll be a father of many nations," and we know that he was a very old man when he finally had a son. And then God said, "Give me my, give me that son." Will you give me my son? And he said, "Yes, God, I'll give it to him." And when his son Isaac looked up at him with those with those those, those teenage boy eyes, and he looked up at his father, and he said, "Father, where is the sacrifice?" He said, "My God will supply." Because my God is personal. We see this in, in, the, in, the, in the life of David with the Davidic covenant. Whenever David has the, the desire for the temple and the presence of God, we see with the children of Israel that God was personal to come and visit them, to lead them, to, to lead them by a cloud by day in the desert, to lead them by the fire at night. We see that God is a covenant, a personal covenant God. And let me tell you today that it's personal with you. This covenant that he has, he is a covenant keeper, but he is personal. He's all about being real to us. Romans chapter 5, it says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. When you were a sinner, when you were wicked, Jesus took it personal. And he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to provide a sacrifice. They're sinners. They're, un- they're, 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 they're totally ungodly. They don't deserve this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want them. He made it Personal. And let me just say this, that God has already given you his best. We seek life, man, we go through, like, God, I just want your best. God, I just, Listen, God already gave you his best. Are you with me this morning? God has given you his best in Jesus. Is it enough for you? Listen, it's so personal. God is so personal that he gave us a name to call him. We see in the, in the Old Testament that, that, that many people would refer to God as, it, we have we have letters for it. We don't even have vowels because it's, it's like it's like it can't even be described in words, but it's Yahweh. And we call it Yahweh. And some people have come along and they say, well, it's Jehovah. And that's kind of way we translate it in English. But Yahweh is actually not even an actual word. It's more like a breathy kind of sound. Yahweh. And God said, I will make covenant with people so I will give them a name to be in agreement with them. Are you guys with me? So he's not just God that's kind of abstract. I'm personal enough to give them a name to identify me with. Come on, are you with me? And so that is his covenant name. It's Yahweh. And he says, listen, I, I will we'll go into covenant uh, with you. It's like it's like his signature. Are you with me? And so according to that leads us to point number two. Is that the new covenant, the term of the, the new covenant? To- the new covenant is that it is promise filled. The new covenant is promise filled. And it is promise filled because his name is Yahweh. Because his name is Yahweh. Hebrews 8, 6 says the, the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Because it's f- founded on better promises. It's founded on better promises. So we see. These eight compound words in the in the Old Testament that God has uh, God has referred to when it comes down to being a uh, promise-filled. when we are in need, He is Yahweh Jireh, the God who provides. We see that that whenever we are overwhelmed and overcome and feel like that we don't have victory in our life, he is Yahweh Nisi, that he is God, my banner, that he is the one who comes and gives me victory. When we are sick and diseased, he is Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals. When we are shaken and our world is crumbling around us, he is Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is my peace. When we are lonely and afraid and lack courage, he is Yahweh Shema, which means the Lord is there. When we were sinful and we were full of corruption and shame. He is Yahweh's Sikinu, which means the Lord is my righteousness, because he is Yahweh Suboth. The, the, the Lord of hosts. The Lord Almighty. Listen, this same God who we we look at these eight different uh, compound words of his name being associated with these promises. This same God in the Old Testament that, that we would refer to these names in Hebrew is the same God in the New Testament. But the covenant is different. His identity hasn't changed. And rather than it be a promise that comes to you, it's a promise that was fulfilled in Jesus. The righteousness is fulfilled in Jesus. In Jesus. Jehovah Rapha, the healer, was fulfilled in Jesus. It's not something that we're waiting upon. It's something that is already established. There's eight compound names of God that we see in the Old Testament. And the number eight is, is the number of new beginnings. It's the number of the new Covenant. It's it's the symbol that, that uh, would, would take place when a Jewish boy was born and he was taken to the priest and they would circumcise him. What was circumcision? It was a sign of covenant. So when God says that I am these eight compound names, he is saying, I am the God of covenant fulfilled in Jesus. I am the same God, but I have a new covenant. It's not like the old covenant, it's a new one. It's not a covenant that was based upon you. It's based upon me. See, the old covenant was kind of temporary according to your behavior. Right? But the third term of the new covenant is that it is permanent. There won't be another new covenant. This is the covenant that we'll have with God for eternity. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. Listen. It's so easy to think that 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 God fulfilling his end and this is where we get we get like well if, if I'm sinless then I'll be healed. No, no, no. He is already healing through Jesus. If I behave then he'll be my righteous. No, 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 no. All those things are already established. You just got to come in agreement with the covenant. You got to agree to it. Okay. I'm good with it God. I believe your promise is true see see the thing is 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 we are a very much a faithless people right we 're pretty faithless right we're we 're really bad at commitment come on we 're not very faithful let 's just be real honest and a lot of times we have the actions that prove faithfulness. But in our hearts, we're far from it. But it says in 2 Timothy chapter two, verse eleven, that here is a trustworthy saying: If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we if, if we endure, he will also we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Isn't is that good news today? That even when you're faithless even when your faith feels shaken his faith is not that his faithfulness isn't based upon your faithfulness for he cannot disown himself we bail when the new wears out come on when it gets monotonous we bail out when our prayer time gets boring we check out but he remains faithful see when God makes a covenant with his people His covenant is eternally sealed. So he makes sure that the covenant, the agreement happens. He makes sure that all the promises that are there come true. Check it out. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17. God wanted to make the unchanging neighbor, neighbor, (laughs) the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, will have, we, we, would have, we who have fled will take hold of the hope offered to us will be, great, will be greatly encouraged. Let me read that again. God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his ver- purpose very clear. To the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that the two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. Listen, one of the things, there's two things that it's, that, that, that is impossible for God to do. Oh, with God, nothing's impossible. No, it's impossible for God to lie. And it's impossible for God to fail. It's impossible. It's impossible for God to fail you. It's not in his nature. It's not in his capacity to fail. It's in us. We have sinful nature. We fail. We screw up. We blow it. We're uncommitted. We're unfaithful. But it's not in his capacity to fail you. It's not in his capacity to lie to you. Either God's word is true. Either his promises are true and just. And we trust in the character of Jesus. Or they're not true. Either they are or they're not. It's not like, well, maybe. No, no, no. It is or it isn't. It's the truth or it's a lie. And it's permanent. It's eternally. Eternally binding. Y'all all all today? So it's personal. It's promise-filled. It's permanent. And it's perfect. God's covenant towards us is perfect. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with his people. See, the whole reason why the old covenant was imperfect was because of people. It wasn't because God was imperfect or because what God said was imperfect, but it's because it was based upon human condition. So in the new covenant, God said, I'll send Jesus. I will send Jesus, the perfect lamb, to be the final sacrifice. It will be perfect because it will not be based upon man. It will not be based upon their behavior. It will not be based upon their lust or their thoughts or their ability to be committed. It will be just based in the man, Jesus. And all they have to do is just say, yes. It sounds like the gospel. That's the gospel. It's good news. You suck. You blow, right? You you, you blow it. You blow it every time, right? We do. Right? We're not good at commitment. But Jesus is absolutely good and perfect. We blow it every time. But this new covenant is perfect because it's not about you, it's personal, it's about Him perfect not because it's about you but it's about Christ in you the hope of glory it's not rooted in our ability to commit like the old covenant the old covenant was all contingent upon the behavior if you do this 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 if you act this way if you behave this will happen but it's rooted in his commitment to us a god who cannot fail And we come in agreement, listen, there's standard. Come on, are you with me? It's still a law written on our hearts. Come on, are you with me? There is a standard, but it's not based upon you. It's in him. And number five, we're going to skip that verse there. Number five is it's paid for. The covenant is paid for. It's paid for. Jesus paid for it. In, in the Old Testament, I want to illustrate with you guys for just a moment the way that blood covenants worked. Okay, now the the covenant that we're in, the new covenant we're in, it's actually a blood covenant. And so, what would happen? the The word covenant actually means the actual Hebrew word is berith, which means a solemn binding agreement made by the passing between two pieces of flesh. So, what would happen? is if I said, Nathan's going to come up here and help me. Uh, and uh, what would happen is if I said, hey, um, I need to go into covenant with someone. If I if I die, someone needs to take care of my, my family, my children. And so uh, so I'd have to have great confidence in a man to be able to do that. And so if, if uh, Nathan and I said, hey, we're going to go into covenant with one another, then what we would do is we would go out in a field somewhere and we would take a sacrificial lamb we would take um, a, p- a piece of uh, of sacrifice, something that, that that was costly, we would probably go in together and, and purchase this lamb, and we would go out into a field somewhere and we would we would rip open, we would cut open, kill, murder this animal, slaughter it, cut it into, and lay two pieces of flesh on the ground all right, and so what we would do is we would the flesh would be on the ground here, and we would start off back to back. And we would lay the flesh on either side of us. And then we would walk like a figure eight. You walk around that way, and we'll walk around this way. We would walk like a figure eight, and as we began to walk, the our backs were no longer turned to each other, and we would walk in between the flesh. We would pass in between the flesh. Now, a lot of people believe this is a little bit kind of sketchy. Some people believe that at that time that, that there would be like a cutting on the hand and we would, we would cut one another's hands and we begin to shake one another's hands like that. And what would happen is the blood would begin to mix. I mean, because when I was a kid, we used to call blood brothers and we, we, we would do that. And we get that from this practice. And when we did that, what we were saying in our covenant is we were saying, what is mine is yours and what is yours is mine. So if I go out to battle and I die, everything that I have belongs to you. Not only the rights, but also the responsibilities, right? And then we are in covenant. Notice that when we started off, we were back to back. No connection. See, a lot of people love relationship with God like this. Easy enough to touch, but no real connection. But God wants us face to face, heart to heart. That we'd be right there. Thank you. That's okay. okay. Listen, God wanted a relationship with us so much to be in a new covenant with us that he sent Jesus. That he sent Jesus to be that pure, spotless land that was slaughtered, that was murdered on a cross, on a criminal's cross, a perfect man, full of all the shame and the disgust that the world has ever known. One man became the sin, so that we could be in right standing with God. And God could look at us face to face, heart to heart, and say, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. We are no longer in this kind of relationship where you can't look at me this is what it says in 1 Corinthians, where it says that Moses had a had this, this covering, but we with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of God. That can only happen. That can only happen through the face-to-face encounter. It can only happen face-to-face. God wants face-to-face connection. He wants that relationship with us. This is why Jesus came to establish this new covenant with us. Baby, you want to come up? And so. When Jesus has his last meal with his disciples, he says this in Luke chapter 22, it says that he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and said to them, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So whenever we remember the covenant, we are remembering that Jesus's body was broken, was broken for us. That we have this covenant with him. In the same way he took the cup saying, this this cup is the new covenant of my blood which is poured out for you. What is, what is he saying? He's saying that, 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 that there is about to be a ceremony happening. There's about to be a ceremony where a body is broken and blood is poured out. Why? Because there's a new covenant between God and man. And I'm establishing it with you.